And so husbands, you are to care for your wives in the ways most normal. As instinctively as you care for yourself and don't give it a second thought, you are to give of yourself to your wife without hesitation. It's your first response. I'm Kyle Grant, and I'm the lead pastor at Grace Bible Church. You know, biblical preaching is one of the highest priorities of our ministry, and I'm so thankful that you've chosen to listen. If you have any questions about our ministry or would like to know more about Christ, feel free to connect with us at www.gracebibleelkhart.com. Thank you again for spending these moments with us, and I pray that God transforms you by His grace through the Bible. To remind you where we are in the book, we are in the kind of just past halfway through the application portion. Remember, we're calling it the walk home. Chapters 1 through 3 is the hike up the theological Himalayas, and chapters 4 through 6 is the journey home. How we live with that theology until we are with Christ. Chapters 4 through 6 is the living out of the living that we have in Christ in chapters 1 through 3. The primary theology of what God has done through the gospel to secure us in Christ, we now have instruction in chapters 4 through 6 to live out. Paul uses the terminology of walking multiple times, as you know. Chapter 4, walk worthy of your calling. Chapter 5, walk in love, walk in light. And remember, in chapter 5, verse 20, verse 18 down to verse 21, Paul sets up this, this kind of subsection of living worthy of the gospel in living under the control of God's Spirit. Verse 18, not to be controlled with wine or anything else except God's Spirit. And then the outflow of the primary application that Paul kind of parks on and the outflow of living in God's Spirit is the verse 21 of chapter 5, submitting to one another. And then Paul is going to give us multiple kind of spheres or contexts for that submission. Primarily, submission in the home. And so we have, over the last few weeks, been discussing the relationship of marriage. The wife submitting to the husband and the husband giving himself, which is, of course, a, a form of submission. Remember the resignation of rights, the, the self-giving that takes place according to the Spirit. So while it's not directional submission for the husband as he is the head of the home, it is personal submission and the giving of self. And so last week we began the message to the husbands. We started in verse 25 and we went down to verse 28 and this morning we will study verses 29 to 33 and conclude chapter 5. Having said that, given that context information, let's read our text beginning in verse 25 and we'll read down to the end of the chapter. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that, he, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. One of the things that I learned when I moved to Elkhart, Indiana, is that apparently RVs are a big deal here. Now, obviously, I, I know this by now. But in fact, as I, as I travel around and as I visit places and I meet people and they tell me, or they ask me where I'm from and I say, Elkhart, Indiana, you'd be surprised the amount of people who go, oh, the RV capital of the world. Elkhart is known for this. Many of you have worked or now work in some sort of work associated with RVs. Many of you. Question, if you take the engine out of an RV, what do you have? Well, I guess you have a very small house. But what you have done is if you remove the engine from the RV is you have removed its purpose and its potential. The purpose of travel and leisure and the potential of its movement, its progress. Now you could get it, you could put it in neutral and you could get it behind it and push it with your whole family. But that seems silly. So why would you remove the source of potential and purpose from the RV? But this morning, some of you feel like You're pushing your family along from behind with no potential and no purpose. And it's because love is the engine for your home and the leader of love in your home is dysfunctional. And so there's no purpose or potential in your home. And you're all together experiencing the exhaustion and the futility and the discouragement of trying to push your home together 
without the motivation, the motivating factor, the loving leader. And you feel absolutely hopeless until you all feel like giving up. Gentlemen, you are the leading lover and the loving leader of your home. And without the love that you lead and you cultivate in your home, you're pushing an RV from behind. This morning, gentlemen, I want to show you that husbands must love the way that God demands for marriage in order to accomplish what He has designed for marriage. A husband must love the way that God demands in order to accomplish what God has designed. We started this last week. You know the the weight of leadership is placed upon the man. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Why? Because Christ gave Himself for the church and is Himself its head. And so this morning, we will again look at this concept of love so that we can be purposeful lovers in our home, leading lovers and loving leaders so that our home maintains its purpose and its potential. Well, last week we only went to the primary call and command of the husband, the purpose of the husband. We ended in verse 27. But we do need to remind ourselves, as as I already have just briefly, what the purpose of the husband is. Husbands, love your wives. So that's, that's, that's why we do what we do. That's the primary That's the primary purpose in our marriage. We are to be, remember the phrase we're using, leading lover and loving leader in our home in order that it may produce God's intended effect for our wife. Remember, the the husband is a sacrificial sanctifier. We We said that last week. That as he loves her and in loving her the way that he should, he might sanctify her. That he actually is a cleansing, purifying agent in the spiritual life of his wife. That she may be pure before God as Christ will one day present the church in purity to the Father. So... The husband is to be a cleansing agent in order to present his wife before the father, blameless. And Paul builds on that concept of self-giving, and then he hearkens back to some Old Testament theology, and then he summarizes this whole unit. And so let's look at these divisions together. First of all, in verses 28 to 30, let's look again at the concept of marital sacrifice. Marital sacrifice. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own body. This is reiterating the necessity of a husband's self-sacrifice. Note the phrase, in the same way. Well, in what way? He is reminding us what he's already said, that we are to love as Christ loved. And in loving as Christ loved, we will what? Give as Christ gave. So in the same way, we are to 
love and give of ourselves. Christ's love for His church was typified and exemplified and climaxed in the ultimate form of self-giving upon the cross. And so in the same way, husbands are to lay down their lives for their wife. Now remember we said last week that this doesn't always look like a dramatic act of heroism. In fact, that will be required of probably very few of you. Very few of us as husbands. But the constant laying down of our life in ongoing sacrifice in the massive and in the mundane. The ways that Christ has called us to salvation which delivers us from living for ourselves. You were saved, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, that you would no longer live for yourself. And so if I'm supposed to no longer live for myself, then I'm supposed to be constantly giving and the marital relationship is the way that I give most as a husband. The way that you as a husband give most. And so the husband is to be the lead sacrificer. The lead sacrificer. Note what Paul does here. He actually taps into a concept of, be very careful in how you hear what I'm about to say, positive self-love. Because we live in a society that talks a great deal about self-love. But they do not mean it like this. They mean it the way that Christ Himself means it. Love one another as you love yourself. And how do you love yourself? You take care of yourself. This morning, actually, some of you came to church with an element of self-love. And it's not bad. The way that I mean it and the way that they mean it. You know you need something from God. You know you need something from the Word. You know that when you gather for worship, you need certain things. You need to be transformed. You need to be changed. You need, and I need the same thing. Church is one of those weird things where you both consume and you contribute. And if you get one of those things off, you might end up getting both of them off. If you contribute too much, you might not receive as Christ intends you to receive. And if you consume too much, you probably won't contribute as you should. This is the natural understanding of how we care for ourselves. When I get hungry, what do I do? Usually I eat. Sometimes I ignore it. Then I get grumpy and wonder why I'm grumpy. And then my wife tells me I should eat. Right, But if I get hungry, usually I eat. I hate being cold. I hate it. And I know I complain about being cold all the time. But the reason I put on a coat is because I don't like being cold. I'm caring for myself. Now, I don't think any one of you would think that's selfish. It's normal. And so husbands, you are to care for your wives in the ways most normal. 
as instinctively as you care for yourself and don't give it a second thought, you are to give of yourself to your wife without hesitation. It's your first response. And God, forgive me for my selfishness in my marriage. Actually, if you look at these words that Paul uses in verse 29, for no one has ever hated his own flesh. That word hate doesn't mean despise. It means to denigrate or to think little of. No one ever thought little of him, his own flesh. In other words, we, again, we naturally care for ourselves as we should, but nourishes and cherishes it. Now, on their face, these sound like very tender romantic words, and they are. And sometimes in the New Testament, they're used tenderly. But actually, the most basic definitions of these words, nourish means to feed, and cherish means to give warmth. So the most basic definitions for the original understanding of these words. So what Paul continues to say is that you care for your wife in the things that are mundane as you would care for yourself. The most simple forms of giving. And gentlemen, I think this probably tends to be where we may fail most. Remember I said last week, I think most of us would sacrifice ourselves for a wife. But we throw, a, we throw a temper tantrum when we're asked to help with something around the house. We don't have time for that. We've got other things to do. Why don't you just do that yourself? When we're asked to pick up something from the store on the way home from work, our first response is how busy we've been and how tired we are and how we just want to go home. When that thing that your wife probably is asking you to pick up is actually so she can contribute to her role in maybe providing dinner or whatever. Whatever she's trying to do for the contribution of the home. No one hated his own flesh. So the husband is the lead sacrificer, but notice this is a, a loving system. It's a, it's a self-perpetuating system. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. And so while I said that these sound like romantic words, but that they're highly functional words, I think Paul uses words that are tender intentionally. Nourishes it and cherishes it. Cares for it in the simple matters, but cares for it tenderly and intimately and with intentionality and with thought. This involves physical provision, but husbands, I need to say this, do not fall into the trap of thinking that since you bring home the bacon, you're worthy of honor as a husband. Do you understand, gentlemen, that provision and protection are the most assumed aspects of your role? In other words, you do not deserve thanks inherently for doing, just doing what God intended you to do. Now, thanks is good. You should have a thankful home. 
You should have a thankful home. I've said this before. Giving of thanks is the expression of grace. Because giving of thanks acknowledges you, you may re- be receiving something you know you don't deserve. And so, husband, so husbands, thank your wives. And wives, thank your husbands. But husbands, do not think that I'm a good guy because I work hard. You should work hard. But you should do a lot more than that. You should work hard at work and you should work hard at home. When I leave my office and I go home as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I take off my shoes in our breezeway, I have entered my primary mission field. My primary mission field. And let me just say, loved ones, I will not sacrifice my family on the altar of pastoral ministry. They're just too important. And so, gentlemen, when you get home, you have not left work and gotten home. You've not left work. You've entered it. Ask your wife about her day. Check in on, on her. If you get home and she's clearly stressed from the day, don't tiptoe and disappear. Ask her if you can help. This is a day where we remember the most glorious week in the Christian faith. And this Friday, we'll remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The ultimate expression of giving. And gentlemen, Jesus was bent over and lashed repeatedly with a whip woven with sharp objects and steel weights on the end so that it would tear flesh from bone. The process of lashing was, was known as the, the pre-execution. Ancient history tells us that when the criminal was whipped this way preceding the cross, there are multiple historical accounts of people being able to witness the organs of a person. As Christ loved and gave Himself. And you and I won't even turn off the TV and have a conversation with our wife. They threw the cross on Jesus Christ and made him carry it after that, and he was, of course, in his humanity too weak. All the while being spit on and decked and kicked as he made his way up to the cross, to the mountain. And you and I think conversation with our wife is what? Too long? too strenuous. The robe that they had placed on Christ after His 
lashings coagulated with the blood, scabbed over, was then ripped off, reopening all of the wounds. Some of you think that an afternoon on the golf course is more important than a date than with your wife. Some of us are tempted to spend our time that way. The cross was thrown into the ground. Christ's shoulders were out of socket. And some of you think date night is too expensive. Christ suffered. Rejection. Ultimately climaxing in his father, turning his back on him for you and for me. And some of you, some of us as husbands, impose such selfish, regulatory expectations on our wife, and when they're not met, we're ungrateful. And Christ breathes his last suffering for his church. And some of us as husbands are tempted to reduce our wife down to just a cook or a cleaner. Or maybe she works and so she helps provide, but what you make is more significant. Or a sexual partner. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, for no one ever hated his own flesh cares for it and nourishes it. Because we are members of His body. This is a system. You are one flesh with your wife when you live selfishly and you perpetuate and I live selfishly and perpetuate selfishness in my marriage. I am literally living counter to this system. I'm hurting myself because I'm one flesh with my wife. So if I harm my wife, I'm harming myself. Love your wives. And you will perpetuate self-giving and the natural giving of health in your marriage. Now, I know, as we said last week, what Paul is doing is he's presenting the gospel ideal. This is what is supposed to happen. And all of us, and every single one of you, to varying extents, have experienced something that doesn't match up with this ideal. So what do we do? We look to Christ the author and finisher of our faith, knowing that He gives complete security. Knowing that in my failings, He can transform me. He provides hope. He provides forgiveness. He provides restoration. And all of these things are possible through His self-giving 
which, gentlemen, we have the beautiful privilege of emulating. So let us contribute to the health of our marriage, fulfilling its purpose and potential by loving our wives and giving of ourselves. Paul is going to build on this concept of the theology and the glory and the honor of marriage by reminding us of its initiation, its creation, and its original intention. And so we've looked at the marital sacrifice primarily exemplified by the man. Now let's look secondly at Marriage summarized in verses 31 to 33. Remember I told you earlier that Paul is going to hearken back to Old Testament theology. The founding theology of marriage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So this is the theological basis of marriage rooted in the very beginning. This is the initiation and foundation of marriage quoted back from Genesis 2, 23 and 24. And no treatment of marriage would be suitable or appropriate even without this foundation. So what are some basic observations about the theological foundation of marriage? First of all, in verse 31, it founds a family. Therefore, a father and mother Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. That word hold fast literally has the idea of being cemented to. Glued with permanent glue. And the two shall become one flesh. Marriage is the foundation of the family. Do not buy society's lie that you are not a, a, a marriage, that you're that you're not a family. Until you have children. And don't buy the alternative lie of society that marriage is not necessary for relational fulfillment. Shacking up doesn't work. Let me just encourage here for a moment as a, as a parent of young children, and again, I'm going to this is an encouragement and admonition to husbands and wives, but I do believe men, again, should lead in this. Men should lead in all things, especially as it pertains to the raising of the children, or at least providing the expectations and the biblical desires for the raising of the children. Do not be a child run home. A child run home fundamentally misunderstands that the founding of a family begins with a husband and wife. A child run home is due to a father not prioritizing the founding relationship of his wife. Intent, listen, men. Intentional care for your wife supersedes care for your children. You say, that doesn't sound right. You will not care for your children as you should, if you do not care for your wife, as you should. You will limit your capacity to parent well, and your children will see. My father used to say to me all the time, 
the best thing he could do for me as a dad is love my mom. And he's right. The cardinal sin in our home, especially for my son, is disrespecting mom. Especially for my son. Husbands, you wouldn't leave your wife's car on empty. And I don't know what your wife's gas tank is often like, but in our home, the E on our minivan is often there and blinking. (laughs) You wouldn't leave your wife's car on empty knowing she needs to drive to the store, take the kids to school, and run to a play date. But you are expecting her to do all of those things on emotional empty, and in many cases physical empty, because you're not pouring love and care into her heart and life. Lead your kids by loving your wife. Spend time with her so that she feels poured into and has more to give out. And I wish I could say I am as I should be with this, but the Lord is working in me, and it has been a joy to continue to see the strengthening of our marriage just by the giving of time. And so marriage in Genesis 2 accounts for the founding of a family. Notice secondly that Paul is going to point out to us in verse 32 the mysterious message of marriage. The mysterious message of marriage. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church We've already seen the word mystery once in chapter nine or chapter one, verses nine and ten. And remember there, if you just flip back with me very quickly, I want to walk through these and just just very quickly so that you understand the, the the progression of Paul's usage here, making known to us the mystery of his will. Remember, this word mystery has the idea of something that was once hidden and is now revealed. And in chapter one, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. How in Christ. The mystery of redemption in Christ in chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. The revealing of the mystery here goes back to chapter 2 in the unification of Jew and Gentile. That in Christ, the mystery of the church that Jew and Gentile have been brought together. We have one yet to get to New England. In chapter, 16, chapter 6, verse 19, look with me, if you just flip over to chapter 6, verse 19, and also pray for me that the words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel once hidden and now revealed in Christ. What is God revealing in the mystery of marriage? The incredible unity and beauty of oneness between the church and Jesus Himself. Your marriage is a sermon proclaiming the oneness of the church to Jesus Christ 
And you cannot choose the audience, but you can choose the content. And so preach that sermon faithfully by submitting to God's design. Gentlemen, this is primarily on us. Because as we love our wives, our wives will delight to follow, which is the ideal. I want to note one more thing about verse 32. This word profound is an interesting word. Actually, the most, if, if you just read the Greek, it's the word mega. And that means a number of things. But this mystery is mega. In other words, of great weight or importance. Marriage is an important matter. And Paul summarizes this whole text in verse 33. And so the way that he buttons it all up is a reminder of the marital roles. A reminder of the marital roles. Now why would he conclude it this way? It only makes sense. Because remember what we've said all along. This is the ideal marriage. And so as the husband does what he intends to do, so the wife delights to do what she is supposed to do. As the husband leads, so the wife is more likely to follow. Now, of course, sin and all of these things, which is why he addresses both. But it only makes sense that if the message is going to be clearly and theologically accurate, the message of marriage, each each, each member of the marriage, the, the, the husband and the wife making up that one flesh, needs to do what God has intended them to do. Otherwise, the sermon will be incomplete or theologically inaccurate. You won't see the true beauty and honor of the message if you don't see it in the marriage. And so in verse 33, the first part, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, the leading lover. And as we called her a few weeks ago, the second part of verse 33, the faithful follower. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. How do you declare this message? Submit to God's Spirit so that you resign your rights and you give of yourself. And for the wife, the primary giving of that self is in the role of directional and decisional and daily following and submission to the husband. And the way the husband gives of himself is ongoing, consistent, first nature, self-giving and sacrifice in the massive and in the mundane. And in so doing, it displays the glory and unity of Christ's love for His church. And a marriage that seems so countercultural, a relationship that is truly astounding and life-changing to those who have not seen it, will be on fullest and most glorious display. And so to return to our opening illustration. My dear brother, my dear brother, let us love our wives, the leading lover and the loving leader of our home, so that we do not remove, as you would an engine from a recreational vehicle, the purpose and the potential of our home. 
but let us enjoy in leadership and in self-giving the glorious union that God offers alone in the relationship of marriage. And wives, may you have strength to follow. The strength alone to leave well as the loving leader and the leading lover and to follow faithfully comes from God's Spirit. And let us go to God now in prayer.